Welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Star Tribune NFL writer and Hall of Fame voter Mark Craig. Right after the uh, Minnesota or the news came out that Minnesota Vikings defensive end, former defensive end Jared Allen, is going to have to wait for a fourth straight year. He was a finalist again, um, but did not get in. So, Mark, what was your reaction? You obviously knew this class for a long time going in, having been a part of the deliberations, but what can you say about just how close Jared was and just uh, kind of the outcome here once again for him? Yeah, he's been eligible four years. He's been the finalist four years. So now he's going into, um, and the way it works is you, you take the, the 10, 15 modern era guys, you move it. Uh, the first cut is to 10 and then to five, and then you vote yes or no on the final five. Um, Jared in the last uh, three of the four years, the last three years, He's made it to the final 10. So, um, so particularly, this is rougher than all of them. They, they get progressively harder for these guys to deal with. You know, Chris Carter I, is part of my story today. I listed, um, you know, there's been 50 Hall of Famers since 1970, since they started keeping track of finalists who have, have had to, you know, gone in from their fifth time or, or more. Lynn Swan is the, is the, is, holds the dubious record of 14 times as a finalist. Um, and Carl Eller was second. Um, he, Carl Eller was a finalist 13 times and went in. Um, this was hard on Jared and I, you know, I'm not going to share all that. We, we talked for quite a while. Um, he's not a real fan of the voters right now, <laughs> myself included. Um, but uh, it's hard for these guys because, you know, they just, I don't think they understand the process. And then it, it um, this was a tough year also because Dwight Franey got in as, in his second year, which I think was a little, it's, it's kind of hard if you're uh, looking at Jared's career and Dwight's and not saying Dwight's not deserving, but uh, that made it kind of hard uh, this year for, uh, for Jared and for a lot of people uh, that, that want to see Jared in the hall of fame. Yeah. Uh, Andre Johnson ends up being the only offensive guy in this group. Devin Hester, the first special teamer really to, to make it on that return specialist alone. Um, yeah, you, you mentioned, um, Dwight Freeney, also Julius Peppers gets in, uh, as well, another edge rusher, but his, his resume obviously speaks for itself. What did you think of the fact that those guys got in where Antonio Gates, for instance, another guy, uh, left out, uh, kind of looking in, uh, who, who were the other guys like Gates that, that were, you thought were the closest to getting in? Well, you know, Peppers was a guy that it, it's, it's strange. When you look at it, you know, Jared played 12 years, had four first team all pro, but Jared didn't make a, an all decade team. Whereas the Franey made a first team in the uh, 2000, he had, he had one first team uh, all decade. You know, and Franey was one of those guys that uh, played 17 years. He made two all decade teams. Uh, he had 159 sacks. So he's, um, you know, uh, probably if he's in the, he's higher than Jared on the sack list. You know, Franey, Franey played, you know, 16 years. So he played four more years than Jared. And, you know, he, he had three, he had three all pro just like um, Peppers did, but you know, playing four more years than Jared, he had 10 and a half fewer sacks. Um, you know, the quarterback hits, Jared had 228, Franey had 148, uh, had uh, 43 fewer tackles for loss, uh, 15 fewer fumble recoveries. Uh, and, and here's the one that's just, when you look at, you know, some of the times the knock on Jared, oh, he's a edge rusher. He didn't, didn't play the run. Well, Jared was on, you know, 
two or three uh, defenses that were number one against the run. And he's, he's having to set the edge. And, and so it's, he wasn't just a throwaway player when it came to, to playing the run. And he had, in, in, again, in four fewer seasons, had 298 more tackles than Dwight Freeney. Had. So you're 648 to, to 350. Uh, and again, it's, you don't want to say this guy doesn't belong, this guy belongs, but it was just one of those. It's like, wow, you know, what were we missing on Jared this particular year? Uh, and, and DeMarcus Ware went in last year on his second year um, of eligibility, and they have virtually the same uh, numbers and everything. Ware has a Super Bowl, which, you know, his Broncos beat Jared, <clears throat> Jared's Panthers in that last game that Jared's, Jared's career. Um, but, yeah, Antonio Gates was a guy that uh, – and I mentioned it in the story today. You can, I, at least I think we can talk in general terms. But when Antonio Gates came up, I, I thought he would he would be a first ballot guy. I thought he would be one of those guys because there's a, there's a run on first ballot guys now, and there's an argument. Well, you know, are too many first ballot guys getting in? Um, it was mentioned, you know, during his conversation. Um, the you know there was a suspension for PEDs for for Antonio, and at that time, the topic of PEDs came up because you, you can't consider anything off the field, but the PEDs relates to on the field performance. And, and if you get suspended and, and it costs your team, uh, how do you weigh that? Uh, it was mentioned very briefly at that point about Peppers also had a PED uh, suspension, I believe his rookie year. And, um, and Rodney Harrison um, had a HGH suspension i think late in his career um i i i, I can only guess I, I don't know what other people are thinking but maybe antonio gates that played a role in his <clears throat> maybe with rodney harrison um but i would say yeah if there's any surprises you know i thought this would be jared's year uh i really did um i thought he and peppers might go in together i thought they would go in together uh but i would say antonio gates you know uh, just because of the number of first-year guys that uh, I think at one time years ago, there was a little bit more of a premium on that. Uh, so now it's it sort of surprised me he didn't get it. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. The anticipation. That incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. What else surprised you about the NFL Awards? The honor ceremony happened on Thursday night right before Super Bowl week, and we saw the expected Lamar Jackson getting his second MVP. I, I don't think anybody was surprised to see the, the rookie awards and um, uh, obviously the offensive player of the year, McCaffrey, um, but your Cleveland Browns. And I say that to you as a Cleveland native, not, not necessarily you as a fan of the team, but you as a Cleveland native, you see Kevin Stefanski get coach of the year for the second time. We both know Kevin, uh, very well from his time in Minnesota and you see miles Garrett get defensive player of the year and Jim Schwartz get assistant coach of the year. Um, I guess in general, just what did you think of the rest of, of the whole NFL honors night and, and especially at yeah, Cleveland <laughs> sweeping the way they did? Well, the kid in me uh, likes the, the way that Miles Garrett <laughs> his, his time on the, on the, uh, on the 
at the podium saying we're going we're gonna to come back and get a bigger trophy next year. Uh, uh, I guess I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. But <laughs> yeah, um, and I wasn't really, I guess, fully aware. I know that they've done some adjustments to the voting, uh, who's voting and everything. It's not, there isn't a, uh, all, all uh, 32 markets aren't represented. Like, there's no, there's no voter from Cleveland. Um, yeah, I voted Kevin just because of the four quarterback. I mean, at one point I thought Kevin, it was Kevin Stefanski and, and Kevin O'Connell because they were both, you know, going toward the playoffs with you know, using, uh, you know, having to use four quarterbacks. There was a stretch there. It was kind of a, a short glimmer with O'Connell, but what O'Connell was doing with what, he was presented with was was looking pretty good for a short period, and then his, of course, you know, petered out, and and uh, Stavansky's kept rolling. Um, so yeah, I I didn't I had so I voted for Stavansky. It was only two points difference, uh, and they've changed the voting now. Coach of the year and uh, everything, but most valuable player, you vote for your top three. MVP, you vote for five. So uh, I actually didn't have Schwartz. There, you know, one of the closest, hardest ones for me was assistant coach of the year. Mm-hmm. I had so many good assistant coaches. I had I actually had uh, Ben Johnson as my first guy, Bobby Slowick, who I think he could have won it. What what that rookie did in that offense, I mean, there's obviously there's talent around him. There's a good offensive line. But uh, Bobby Slowick and just the, the pace of that offense and, and the rhythm and everything, I thought that, that's one reason Stroud was a – to me, a runaway. He might be with a. He might be the best offensive rookie to ever play the game. You know how he played this year. Uh, and then I had you know Mike McDonald. Uh, so Schwartz certainly deserving. You know, um, and then uh, you know Flacco gets uh, what he, I, I had Baker Mayfield as my comeback player of the year. I see where everyone is kind of bashing us for not giving it to to Demar Hamlin. I, I kind of knew that was coming. Um, and. You know, if you defend yourself, it makes it look like you're you diminish what Demar did. So I sort of I'm not reaching. I'm not going down that rabbit hole unless unless I had to. Um, let's just say if he don't want it, would have been great. Uh, but I, I like Baker. I mean, I Baker four teams in in a in a, in a calendar year throwaway. He's a one year prove it deal for four million dollars. Who wouldn't want that contract? Uh, wouldn't have wanted that contract on their team at this with what he did. So. Uh, yeah, it, it was good night for Cleveland. Uh, I loved the end. I loved how it ended. I loved uh, Cam Haywood uh, just from the from the minute when he walked up and he said that that's that's Prince freaking Harry, you know, <laughs> and just to how he presented himself. It's a uh, you know sometimes the NFL you know drives me crazy because of all the bells and whistles and how they just pat themselves on the back constantly. But that show really is uh, a lot of fun and it's really well done. Yeah, and Kirk Cousins busting a move, trying to sh- show yeah. the rest of the NFL. Look at my my Achilles is just fine. <laughs> yeah, I was. Were there funny Vikings fans? One hoping his cleats didn't stick on the on the, <laughs> on the stage, and that he didn't like go down in a crumple. Uh, they were moving pretty well there. Uh, I thank you for bringing up Joe Flacco because I totally forgot that. Yeah, comeback player of the year, Cleveland's fourth award on the night. Um, I thought too, going into it, I mean, you, you vote on such things, so you had a much better read on it than I did, but as an outsider, I thought it's gotta be Baker. And if it's not, it's going to be the guy who died on the field, right. And came back, uh, to at least stand on the sideline again, but the Baker came back from, yeah, like actual, what I would seem to be adversity of changing teams, getting kicked down the can and the can being kicked down the road, excuse me. Um, Flacco came back from just being on the couch. 
<laughs> that's yeah, kind of what came back from. I, I saw somebody when they're you know, ripping the it wasn't Hamlet. He came back from being old. You know, it's like, well, I, that's a hard thing to come back from. You know, <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, Demar Hamlet. It's you, you look at it and you're you know, like you said, he died on the field, and, and um, it, it's it's I guess laughable when you say you know when I was looking at it, you know, he played five games. He it gets. Um, just a handful of snaps, uh, maybe 90 snaps on a special team. In uh, saying that, it's like if I'm, you know, he did die on the field, I guess, or or had the cardiac arrest on the field. And, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there was a lot of races were really tight. Yeah. You know, for me, you know, probably the easiest one was Christian McCaffrey. Um, you know, Christian McCaffrey, to me, could have been MVP of the league. I, I think I had him higher on my ballot. Or maybe I, I did originally. I might have shifted it, but to me, it was like he and Purdy. You know, who was the MVP of that of that team? Let alone go on to be the MVP of the league. Uh, so a lot, a lot of really uh, tight, tight races. Uh, you know, defensive player of the year. I mean, it, it, you know, I, I think we talked about this when I was talking about you know who was the All Pro def, you know edge rushers. Uh, but you know, you could have picked Micah Parsons. Uh, could have been T.J. Watt, uh, you know, and that guy gets 19 sacks, and um, his near misses, he's got one, but he, he's got probably three or at least three near misses where you could say, hey, T.J. Watt could have been the, the defensive player of the year. Absolutely, and <clears throat> Stefanski now joining Rare Company uh, as a two-time NFL coach of the year. I think I'd read, yeah, only 13 coaches have have <laughs> had that honor. Um, That's that's two more than Andy Reid has as as Chiefs coach. You've and yeah you you've long one been more than Andy Reid has as uh, as in his career. Uh, I and I I always laugh when now now he's got two of them because you know we forget that Stefanski interviewed for Cleveland two years in a row. He didn't he didn't get it the year that um, I'm drawing a blank of Fred uh, whoever got it the year before. He's the one a typical one and done Cleveland. Freddie, Freddie uh, it was Freddie Kitchens. Yes, Freddie Kitchens. So when Stefanski comes back from that interview, I was talking to him. And, you, you know, I mean, Kevin was always very nice, but he was uh, kind of reserved. And uh, we did have our – you could joke with him and stuff. But I, he knew I was from Cleveland. So when he came back, I was like, ah, you know, don't worry about it. I said, that job, it's a, it's a career killer. You don't want to go to Cleveland, be one and done, and then have your job. You know, you don't want any part of Cleveland. It's a career killer. And now the guy's got two, two coaches years. Uh, so yeah, it's, I guess it's a lot of it has to do with just your, your circumstances. Typically it, it is the D'Amico Ryans. It's the guy that comes in and turns it around and, you know, for D'Amico Ryans not to win it, um, tells you just how, how strong that, and for Dan Campbell not to win it, you know, uh, you know, the playoffs aren't included, but even just counting a regular season, it's, you know, he did something that hadn't been done in 30 years. Uh, so a lot of times you look at you want to know how strong the fields were. You got to look at who finished second and third. Yeah, I, I thought D'Amico Ryan's was going to be a shoe in just because of yeah, first year coach like you said. It typically would go to the guy who turns around an organization in one year the way he did. Um, but yeah, Dan Campbell, two seed in the NFC uh, uh, from after starting one in what was it ten the year before eight or one and eight or something like that. Oh, ten uh, and one until he beat the Vikings. Yeah. 
just just incredible um what he did in Detroit and you're right this was a, a particularly loaded uh year for for the jobs that a lot of these coaches did i do think that stefanski winning is a is a decent segue into other reported nfl news that mike zimmer is going to be taking the defensive coordinator job for the cowboys zim is back in the nfl and once upon a time uh, when Zimmer's job status was tedious in Minnesota for the first time after the 2019 season, there were some, you know, whispers inside TCO Performance Center of, hey, Kevin Stefanski might be in line to to take a step up here in Minnesota if they need to change head coaches. Obviously, Zimmer goes down, beats New Orleans. That that does away with any um, any talk of him uh, in the Vikings parting ways. But that was real before Kevin left. It was real in terms of like, are they going to move on from Zimmer or not? And Mark, you know better than most people about what happened then. But um, I guess what was your reaction to seeing Zimmer back in the NFL now? And just why did it take him as long as it did? Well, you know, and Zimmer, um, you know, he and I joked about it um, that he, because, you know, the Cowboys job was open at that point and, you know, the Cowboys couldn't officially reach out to him or anything. Um, I think as anybody would common sense would tell you, there's, there's ways of reaching out without doing it officially. <laughs> um, but then he, but then he wins that game and then, you know, the Cowboys couldn't sit around, you know, the, the, one of the bad things about the NFL hiring cycles is, you know, it's everything has to be so rushed, you know, it's like, boom, you can't afford to wait, you know, on anybody. You just got to keep moving, moving real quick. Um, so that was the job that, uh, who got that job? It would have been, uh, okay. whatever it was. Yeah, 2019, it was available for the Cowboys. And so, yeah. It would have been Zim's McCarthy, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It would have been, right. Yeah, it would have been McCarthy. Again. McCarthy got fired in a 2018 season and then got yeah. stuck by the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah so, I mean, it, you know, Zim, Zim has that upset, and then that kind of take, take, takes him out of the running, and then they get they get destroyed in, in San Francisco and takes all, you know, all of Zim's big playoff wins always got, you know, kind of uh, reduced by them you know, getting their butt kicked the next week. Um, so, yeah, as far as, you know, it taking another year, you know, I, the first year, you know, being out in 2022, I feel, you know, as even Zim probably would admit, uh, it wasn't exactly a graceful exit for Zim here. <laughs> I think he was warring with uh, the GM and he was kind of warring more with the media. Um I think he was worn out. I think he was spent. Uh, I think he's, I don't know that you could just tell Zim didn't, wasn't sleeping. Um, he, he needed some time off in 2022. And then of course uh, with Adam, you know, what happened with Adam, you know, passing away in, two, in October of, I believe 22. Um, I, you know, I don't know if you know that plays a role in him taking more time off or, you know, I, I know, I do know that he wanted, uh, he probably still does wants to be a head coach. You know, he's, I, I think, you know, you, you look at his age, you know, I think he's 67. Um, you know, Zimmer, I don't think thinks like he's, I don't think he treats himself like he's 67 years old. He, he probably should treat himself a little better. Uh, you know, when it, cause he would always talk about how, once he, he, ah, I try to work out. And then once I get in season, I can't do that. And then he would just eat like crap and sleep like crap. And, um, and have have some problems like that. So I don't know. I don't know that you can teach an old dog new tricks, but it's probably less stressful. On, and I know it's going to be less stressful as a coordinator. But I do think he still has sights set on being a head coach. One. Well, um, oh, go ahead. So he might be interim. He might be the interim head coach. If because you know 
I'm, I was shocked that McCarthy did survive this uh, loss. So, but I, you know that the uh, the uh, the rope is very, very, the leash is very, very short on, uh, on McCarthy this year. It's an incredible, uh, interesting situation. And you and I talking before the podcast, you had asked, like, they don't, the Vikings don't play the Cowboys, right? Because that would have been an incredible storyline, not only if Kirk came back, but just the Vikings in general, um, with the young Kevin O'Connell now leading them. Um, but it's an incredibly interesting situation because Dallas is so talented. Nobody questioned Mike Zimmer's ability to coach a defense here. That was never the issue. It their defense did fall apart, but it didn't necessarily it didn't seem like it was a lack of schematics or talent. It was all the players saying, we're on walking on eggshells afraid of this guy. Um, so it seemed to be more of just the mood setting and the leadership of men part that, that you know, he, at least his message had worn out its welcome, it would seem, in Minnesota by yeah. his end. <clears throat> I would think it also played a role in, and, and, and there, there probably there was some of that, I would think. But 2019 was the end of their window, I think. And then after 2019 is when you couldn't have the, zip, the type of defense that Zimmer wanted financially and Kirk Cousins. Uh, and I know that that was probably, that's, um, well, in so many words, Zim said that at the combine, whenever they were, it was rumor about whether they would bring Cousins on board. I, you know, Zimmer, um, I don't think it's any secret that not the biggest fan of Kirk and Kirk probably not the biggest fan of, of Zim. Um but yeah, I, I think after that 2019 seasons, whenever I think they lost their top three corners because they couldn't afford them, and then Zim has to go into 2020 playing all those rookies on defense. Uh, I think he played seven rookies when they when they won that, that game at, at Green Bay uh, in 2020. So yeah, it, it that the really in Zim's eyes, you couldn't coexist with the quarterback, you know, paying him that much money and and having a defense that Zim wanted. Uh, what's what's kind of ironic to me is, I, you know, anytime what people I try to rank quarterbacks or you, you say, oh, we're going to rank is Kirk, a, is Kirk a top 10 guy? And when I sit down and really look at it, for me, it's always it's like Kirk and Dak are like 9A, 9B or 10A, 10B. Like it's a guy that's like, you know, there's talent. You know, he can he can do it. Uh, he's proven he can do it. But does he win in the postseason? And. You know, Dak doesn't win in the postseason. Kirk hasn't won in the postseason. So a lot of that maybe is on the shoulders of Dak. I don't know. But there's a ton of talent down there, a ton of defensive talent um, that, you know, Zim's going to do a lot of – I mean, what Zim could do with uh, Micah Parsons, uh, What I think what you or I could do with Micah Parsons, let alone Zim, uh, would be uh, impressive. I, I don't know that it's a it's – a, it's a, he's going to get that stepping stone to the head coaching job because, because of his age, but um, you never know. I mean, it, who knows what's, what can happen in this league? Uh, no, but the, the simplest solution would be to, for, for an impatient Jerry Jones to yank Mike McCarthy halfway through the season and go with the guy who's got the head coaching experience to lead them. And then, Hey, maybe the end of this, we see with Antonio Pierce, we see it with interim coaches all the time where, uh, owners who like them tend to be like, ah, sure, let's stick with this guy. I, I mean, well, would it be crazy if Mike Zimmer's head coach of the Dallas Cowboys in a year from now? Or or by Thanksgiving. Yeah. Uh, for, yeah. You know, if I'm Mike McCarthy, I, I don't know where Mike McCarthy stood on it. Um, I know that Dan Quinn, um, I don't think, wanted Zimmer around over his, and I don't blame him, or hanging over his shoulder, you know, or when there was a 
possibility that Mike might, you know, that uh, Jerry might have him have him as a consultant or whatever. Um, and that uh, Quinn obviously and maybe McCarthy won out in that regard. I don't think Mike McCarthy has a lot of, uh, you know, you win 12 games uh, and you're the two or three seed. Uh, I don't think that all the, you know, I think the cards are in uh, the leverage is in Jerry's, uh, although Jerry always has the leverage, but, you know, I could see, I could definitely see if he starts out, you know, struggles, 0-3, 0-4, you know, he gets fired, Zim's a head coach. Uh, and that would be, that would kind of worry me, I guess, if I was McCarthy, but um, Heath McCarthy knows he's on the hot seat regardless. Yeah, and at this point, McCarthy needs the best defense possible to keep his job anyway, and Zim seemingly would be among the best options available. And we know, as you've talked about, Jerry and Zim go way back and, uh, certainly have that relationship that could be threatening to some <laughs> in power. Certainly, um, it's Dallas. It's uh, you know, get your popcorn as a uh, <laughs> team. Um, Mark, let's quick talk about the Super Bowl here, the game on Sunday. Um, you've obviously been uh, writing about these two teams for a while. You have uh, professed many times about Andy Reid being. Uh, one of the best coaches, and he's continually uh, verified that by getting to these games. Uh, what do you think happens on Sunday? Well, I think I learned my lessons by picking Baltimore last uh, two weeks ago. It's like <laughs> you know, this, this you know, what? How great would it if you're a, to be a football fan and you're a fan of the Chiefs now? Because this is your bad year. This is your year where you struggled and you, you know, well, you know, it's uh, this is the the most vulnerable. The uh, offense has been in Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes' time, but also the best defense. Um, you know, I think they really, really showed their uh, their playoff medal. Their their you know, been there, done that. Uh, you know, power that a team can have whenever they've been there and done that. Uh, you know, Baltimore played so out of. I mean, five personal fouls, uh, the three turnovers uh, in Kansas City. You know, Kansas City's now a. In addition to having the best player in the league, Matt Patrick Mahomes. They're also a physical team now with that Pacheco. I mean, we talk about Purdy, but Pacheco was picked like 10 spots earlier. And, you know, the Vikings won a running game. I mean, that's another guy that, man, I mean, this guy runs really – he's brought a different element to them, I think, the last two years of his toughness. And then the defense, uh, you know, this is this is the best defense Andy Reid's had in, in Kansas City for sure. Um, but, yeah, and then – you sort of have to laugh when you, you hear the rumors of, well, you know, Andy's going to walk, you know, if he wins the Super Bowl, he's going to walk away and Bill Belichick's going to step in. It's like, and Childers and I have talked about this, Brad Childers, and, you know, Brad's like, I, I can't profess to, even though he's real close friends with Andy, he goes, I can't profess to, to know what Andy's thinking, but he goes, I, I think Andy's enjoying the, this new toy that he has. Uh, <laughs> I, why would you, why would you walk away? Why would you walk away from this, uh, you know, just being on top of it. And you know, there's a time to walk away if you're coaching Patrick Mahomes in that that dynasty, but now is certainly not the time. So I guess my, it's a about way of saying, I, you know, the 49ers very well, they, they might have the better overall. I think they have the better overall team, the better overall talent. But uh, I just like the, the Chiefs taught me in that, in that Ravens game that you don't go against Mahomes, don't go against uh, – you know, their, their experience right now. Yeah. I thought Baltimore 
was a better team overall than Kansas City. I obviously thought Baltimore was going to win that game too, but Lamar Jackson even admitted after the game, like, I hate playing against that guy, talking about Patrick Mahomes. You could just tell it was in his head. You could just tell he whether it was not scrambling and wanting to press the ball downfield by throwing it, whether it was just uh, him pulling the ball on some of their run pass options when he probably should have handed it off. He seemed like he really wanted the ball in his hands and really wanted to be the reason Baltimore won that game. And he played as if they were chasing Mahomes constantly, and they weren't. It was a 17-10 game. Like it, yeah. the, ga- the game was always in reach for them. And when you talk about assistant coach of the year and how loaded that is, we haven't even mentioned Steve Spagnola, who has just exactly. done an incredible job year after year with that team. And now they've got some resources and some talent. They got a corner in Trent McDuffie, who I had heard the Vikings weren't even in on, didn't like him in that first round. Um, and, and he's been great for them. Uh, George Karloftis, they pay Chris Jones. They've just got guys that, that and they invest. In, and as you said about Spielman's shortcomings under with Zimmer, uh, they have had no such shortcomings and re kind of tooling and, and, and fueling that team. Um, if anything, we would just criticize Kansas city's wide receivers, but when you got the best quarterback in football, how much does, how much does that matter? So I'd have to agree with you. I, I have a hard time seeing Kansas city not win this game. Yeah. And Kansas city is doing, they're doing everything that's, that's troubling the Vikings right now is, I mean, obviously they got Patrick Mahomes, but it, it goes deeper than, than I mean, it, it, that, that's your, that's what you want. You Patrick Mahomes, you want that type of guy, but you know, as the Vikings find out, if you whiff on, you know, you know, if you start whiffing consistently on draft picks, you know, right now is when you should be saying that, you know, Lewis scene should be, you know, uh, Lewis scene should have forced Harrison Smith into retirement last year. Uh, Brian Asamoah should have stepped up to not even made the Ivan pace a thing. Um, you know, Andrew Booth, uh, should be a starter. You know, I mean, Trent McDuffie is an all pro and Andrew Booth is, just can't even get on the field or scene can't get on the field. So when you miss on consistently miss and miss and miss, even though you hit it, you know, you hit some, I mean, obviously Addison's a great, you know, fantastic player, but when you just miss and you don't see a Pacheco in the seventh round or you, you're just constantly like, man, they could have done this, you know? this or that or this you know that that just adds up and pretty soon you're left with you know it's great to have justin jefferson uh but yeah he can't play all every position you know so uh yeah but the chiefs just you know and even when they win the super bowl uh they come back with a carl Loftus at 30 or 31 uh or they're in the super bowl whatever it was um yeah they're you know they're they can they can win a super bowl and retool with you know, the bottom of the first round and that's, and be and feel confident that they can do it. And that's uh, it's something to be said about, you're just sitting where you're at, knowing your, knowing your team and, and, uh, and picking and finding the right guy. Yeah. And that McDuffie pick was um, the first rounder that they acquired in the Tyree kill trade. And then they were sitting at like 29 with that pick. They traded up to, I believe 21 to get McDuffie. And of course the Vikings that year traded back from 12, to 32 uh, hunting on anybody that they would want in that range in part. Cause I'd heard they thought McDuffie was too small. Didn't have the size of a first round corner. Um, I, I'm sure they thought the same of Antoine Winfield jr. And he's turned out just fine as well. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then closer to home, you look at what, um, you know, Brad Holmes did with Detroit with his drafting and, you know, coming in and, and making that Stafford trade and, 
Um, I think he got three picks, uh, three big picks out of that, turned it into four starters because we forget that he took one of those Rams first round picks, traded back, took the, um, took the running back, Jameer Gibbs, and got a second rounder and got Laporta. So it's like, wow, when you hit like that, um, it's hard to compete with. And, you know, you know, I don't, you know, people talk about the draft capital with the Vikings and, and, you know, to me, they just gotta, they've got to hit what they have first. You know, this is a year where I do feel like it's, it's time to, well, I think we've talked about this before, but it's, Probably time to, to pay Kirk and get that salary cap number. Have Kirk and a lower cap number than not Kirk and $29 million in dead money. But in doing that, then you better move heaven and earth, even if it takes some first-round picks in the future, to get a quarterback. Now, I don't know if that's even possible with the first three teams. Definitely one in quarter. Well, we think definitely one in quarterbacks. One of them being Chicago. They're not, they're not going to do a Quasi and trade, <laughs> trade that number one pick to end the division. Um, so yeah, if it's, if they, if I feel like they got to, they got to move up and get a guy, but if there's only three that they feel like can be that guy, then I don't know. It just feels like this is the year they got to do both. They, they got to put every resource when it comes to the draft and, uh, money wise with Kirk and just, I don't believe, I don't believe in just throwing away a year in this league because I mean, look what the, look what the Packers did. The Packers start two and five. They go to the Cowboys and they kill the Cowboys and, and then suddenly they're in the second round of the playoffs and and was playing the 49ers, you know, played them pretty tight. So it's like you don't want to throw away a year. So this is a year that they really they've got to invest big time in the and, quarterback. Yeah, and oh by the way, get get pass rush, find corners, you know, yeah, replenish an entire defense. And yeah, and and, and you know. Whenever and I'm not, it's too early in their in their tenure to be saying that they don't have the guy. But whenever you know the track record is Lewis Seen and Marcus Davenport, uh, there's definitely some some concerns that they don't have the guy. Uh, and but you know he he can prove us wrong, and, and for hope for, hopefully for the Vikings' sake he does because you know then you know people sometimes you feel like oh, you're you're piling on. It's like not piling on. It's just telling you, it's just pointing it out. It's, you know, you, this is the way it is. And, and even they have to know that that's the way it is. And, you know, I don't, uh, someone had asked, you know, do you think that O'Connell and um, Quasey have to win, you know, this year or they're gone? I don't know that they're a package deal. I, I don't see them as a package deal. I, I, I could be wrong. My sense is that O'Connell probably has a little more uh, firepower to his, whether, in other words, I'd say if you're in the chopping block and who's closer to the axe, I'd say it's probably Quasey. Yeah, Kevin O'Connell came in and took somebody else's roster and, and made it 13 and four. Um, and Quasey has yet to retool that roster in a way that that creates any confidence, frankly. And you hear the whispers too from people there wondering, you know, how 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 much is this, you know, what direction are we going in this front office? And how sustainable is it? And yeah, those questions are valid, I think, both outside and inside the building. And Quasey's got to have a big offseason. And it all comes down to, as you said, quarterback. If he finds a way to keep Kirk and get the next guy of the future, I would have to assume that buys him quite the runway because then it's just about, did you hit on that quarterback? And I would think that he he has to give um, 
I mean, I, I don't, I don't see Kirk giving him a, a home big, too big of a home count, hometown discount, uh, discount. Um, and, and the Vikings helped create the Daniel Jones contract. I mean, they, Ed Donatel should have gotten some of that money because they made him look like Steve Young and Joe Montana rolled together when he came in and won that playoff game. So Kirk, if I, if I'm Kirk, it's like, you know, I, I'll give you a discount. Give me one more penny than Daniel Jones. And, you know, do it, you know, put void years, do it, get it down, get your cap number down to $4 or whatever, however you want to do it. Uh, but uh, that's what I want. And if they don't give that, I, I know he's, you know, I know he's a family man. He shops at Kohl's. He's a, he's one of us and, and all this stuff, but and his kids are in school and he, but you know, he's still a, I mean, if there's, there's not a better businessman when it comes to gambling on himself and, and, uh, and his contracts than Kirk Cousins, so I, I can't see. I would see him testing the market if they don't. If they try to, they try to lowball him and and guilt him into like coming back because you know your your kids are in school and you know we love you and all this stuff that all this word lip service. Uh, if I'm Kirk, I'd be like, oh, I want to see what's what's out there. Yeah, and he's already putting out videos of him dancing on that Achilles. So <laughs> yeah, I'd say I'm just for his. For his financial future, I'm glad he didn't like you know slip and fall during yeah. that little spin there. <laughs> All right, Mark. Well, that'll be it. Thank you so much for taking the time to uh, share with this with with our listeners and everybody. Check out StarTribune.com for Mark's work on the Hall of Fame class, uh, the NFL Honors, Super Bowl coverage, and the like. Uh, thanks again, Mark. Yeah, thank you.